from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined uh, this week by the executive director of an organization here in San Antonio that's uh, helping educate kids. Uh, So we're going to be talking about STEM education and how to get those folks excited. Uh, Jake, uh, thank you for joining us. Can you uh, let the audience know uh, your background and, and the organization you're here to talk about with us this week? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me here, Brett. Uh, again, my name is Jake Lopez. I'm a local San Antonio native. Uh, I've been here my entire life with the exception for about um, five years. Uh, started out uh, way back in the 1900s uh, and I was a football coach, an algebra two teacher. And um, I came into the business side of education. I went into administration thinking that I could make a bigger difference than being in the classroom. And really it was just more paperwork uh, and not really getting to work with the students. So uh, for that reason, I stepped out of the uh, education uh, classroom and went into the educational field on the business side. Uh, From there, I worked with several entities and uh, primarily with Pitsco Education, who's out of uh, Kansas. And I developed and implemented uh, STEM programs all across the nation. Uh, and as I was there for about five years or so, implementing these programs across the nation, I felt that, hey, I could, quote unquote, uh, share my talents here with my community. And I came across uh, one weekend, one, weekend, one uh, evening, uh, say STEMIC, and they were implementing STEM programs here in the neighborhood or in the community, rather. And so I called up uh, the board, spoke with them. We had a great interview and we thought it was a good fit. And so some, that's a little background about me uh, in regards to Systemic. They've been around since about 2011, uh, became an official 501c3 in 2012. And our primary program that most people know us for is known as the Geek Bus. And the Geek Bus started running in 2014. So Systemic uh, started out as an uh, advocacy for STEM education here in the San Antonio area, as well as uh, connecting different entities as far as K-12, university, government, uh, business, and other nonprofits around the area with a, with a similar mission. Uh, we were then uh, came across the Geek Bus in 2014, and we then got into the educational services uh, area. And since 2014, I would say that 90% of our uh, business or affiliation or people that know us is for that Geek Bus program. And uh, we've been running strong uh, for about three years now with that Geek Bus program. And the primary uh, number of students our primary area of students that we serve are Title I schools, uh, downtown south, and uh, that's what we currently are doing now. Yeah, and for those listening, uh, tuning into a Cyber Talk radio program, you're wondering maybe why are we talking about uh, early childhood STEM education? Well, there's hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of latent uh, job postings and job openings across the U.S. in cybersecurity, and if we don't get uh, kids excited about STEM early on and then get them into programs in middle school and high school like Cyber Patriot, we're never going to build the pipeline and careers and opportunities. We're not going to fill those for uh, the youth of today and for industry here across America. We need more and more cybersecurity professionals as business moves 
uh, online, uh, more of our lives moves online, and keeping all those things safe is a, a priority to uh, all of us as citizens. We want the businesses we're working with online to be able to keep folks safe, and that all starts back uh, in early uh, STEM education, even uh, the Geek Bus, I guess, will go out to elementary schools, but it'll also go out to high schools. You guys can kind of tailor uh, what you deliver with that platform, right? Exactly, Brett, and I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, uh, early on, our emphasis was 9th through 12th graders. Our philosophy was, hey, let's get these students as they're graduating, coming out into the workforce, and we can expose them to these uh, STEM fields, STEM careers, uh, primarily cyber, et cetera. And uh, again, with my educational background, I knew that by the time you're in eighth grade, students already are like, man, you can show me whatever you want. I already know what I'm doing. So we've restructured our focus. We now uh, over 55% of the students we served are from grades four through seven. And the reason for that is because in eighth grade, uh, students now in Texas uh, have what's called a, an, a high school endorsement. And not enough of the students are choosing the STEM endorsement or the STEM track. They tend to choose uh, medical professions, uh, law enforcement, and safety. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the students know what that is. They see STEM, and they tend to get scared because they're not familiar with it. Uh, so for that reason, we've targeted students a lot earlier than high school so that they can start to choose that endorsement so that by the time they're in high school, uh, they can have that particular track, uh, take the proper courses and coursework uh, to be college ready or career ready uh, when they graduate high school. So for that reason, we've targeted a lot sooner in the grades four through seven. Yeah. So uh, is, you said that your primary program now is this this Geek Bus, um, and we've mentioned it a couple of times already here, but give some more background of uh, what is this is and like, why is it something that's different uh, than uh, doing buying new computers for the school or setting up a new computer lab? Right, so it's different in that we are a mobile unit. We go out to the schools. So by taking the field trip to them, Brett, uh, the students still get hands-on engagement in the classroom. Uh, the bus itself is actually the cool factor, kind of our marketing piece. Uh, students get on there, uh, they take a tour and they see actual equipment being used in STEM career fields. Uh, there's actually a mobile makerspace in the back uh, with a 3D printer running uh, tools and we answer all their questions. Uh, we give them a little more information on the particular topics that they've chosen. Uh, and also know that there are other uh, mobile units that go out to uh, schools as well. But what they do is they tend to do it in, a, in an assembly fashion. For example, they can uh, have students see experiments, uh, about 100 to 200 students at a time, which is pretty cool. But the students don't get the hands-on component. They're not really learning. They're just seeing it be done, being done. With us, the students are, we can only do 30 students at a time, but the students are actually doing the programming, doing the coding, and getting the hands-on experience so they have the basic knowledge of what is entailed in a particular career field. Uh, so a drawback could be that we do less students, but the students are actually learning by engaging. Uh, another factor of this uh, program, Brett, is that we've spoken with uh, different uh, corporations, industries out here in our community. And the number one thing that we get, you know, especially when it comes to coding and programming is, hey, we've got great coders and programmers, but bring me a person that can show up to work on time, that can work in a team environment, that can be, that is coachable. Bring me those type of people and we can teach them how to code and program. So for that reason, all of our curricula has been designed to be done in small groups or collaboratively. That way students uh, are able to work uh, on those soft skills and be able to transfer those skills in any in any career field that they choose to go into. Uh, 
uh, a byproduct that we heard from one of the school districts that they have uh, ELL students, and ELL students are called uh, English language learners. Uh, so primarily here in our area, Spanish speaking, uh, in the traditional classroom setting, they tend not to be open or raise their hand because of their deficiency in English. Uh, but in the collaborative group setting, uh, they're more open to working with other students. And as a byproduct of our curriculum, they tend to be more engaging in the when they go back to the traditional class setting, as well as improving in their uh, English speaking skills. Again, not a, anything we intended, but a byproduct that we've heard from some of the students. Yeah. And so you had mentioned at the start of the program uh, that you guys serve primarily uh, Title I schools. Uh, for those in the education field, and I'm on the board of the CAS Tech as an industry advisor there, so I've heard that term quite a bit, but many of our listeners may not know what a, a Title I school is. Can you help explain? Right, so a Title I campus is determined uh, by the number of free and reduced lunch served uh, students there. And it's at 50%. So if a student has 50%, uh, I'm sorry, if a campus has 50% of uh, free and reduced lunch lunches, then they are considered Title I. Uh, and for that reason, that's where our demographics start downtown and go south. Now, we don't turn any school down, but 85% of the schools or students that we serve are, would be considered Title I. So... And this is, is giving kids that probably don't have a computer at home, or if they do, it might be old. Uh, they may not even have high-speed internet at home, a chance to see uh, what computer programming and what a, a STEM and tech career could look like. Exactly, Brent. Um, most students, their computer is their phone. That's what they have. They don't have any high-speed internet access. They're using Wi-Fi or their data from their phone. And what we're showing them are that there are these different careers. A lot of times, because of their living situation, they may not be exposed to different careers that are available in the STEM field, uh, and they just may not be aware of it. So by exposing these students to these career options, we can then show them uh, that there are careers here in the San Antonio area that they don't need to go to Austin, they don't need to go to Houston. Uh, we have educational tracks here, as well as uh, careers that they can go into in our community. Yeah. So you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is CyberTalk Radio. And this week, we're joined by Jake Lopez, the Executive Director of Systemic, uh, the organization behind the Geek Bus. It's uh, one of uh, the great initiatives here in San Antonio, uh, helping uh, increase our STEM pipeline, which will then lead to filling all of the cybersecurity jobs and uh, many other uh, tech openings here across the San Antonio area. Just uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, San Antonio uh, unveiled a, a logo about Military City USA and Cyber City USA and uh, all of this kind of making some of these things a little bit more official of, of what we really have going on here and uh, how this is leading to, as Jake was saying, there's jobs and, and careers uh, here for folks in San Antonio or um, even if they decide to go into the Air Force and um, get uh, deployed back into a cyber, chances are they'll be able to come back home here to San Antonio as well. Right. You know, and that's funny. We actually had a conversation with Lackland, I would say, uh, back in late 2016, Brett. And one of the things that they had mentioned was that they were going to be hiring less fighter pilots. And what they're really interested in are students who are going to be going into the cyber field. That's who they're going to be hiring, uh, not just now, but in the future. Uh, the other thing, Brett, you know, a lot of students, they may not 
want to go to school once they're done with high school. And so with our program, we show them where they can go and get credentials or certifications to move into this field. Or if they just want a two years degree, a two year degree, we show them where they can go as well. And of course, if they do want the bachelor's or the four year degree, we show them those tracks. That way we have there's an opportunity for every student, regardless of their educational uh, background or what they want to do as far as uh, college. Yeah. And if you wanted to learn more about uh, some of the Air Force cyber programs uh, on our CyberTalk Radio archives, uh, we interviewed a tech sergeant, Diami Baker, who's the cyber recruiter for the U.S. Air Force. Uh, you can listen to that on iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, our YouTube channel, and you can learn more about all of that at www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, they absolutely have... Um, over a thousand openings right now that they're trying to uh, add into the Air Force and uh, they'll basically put you through a, a two-year program now mm -hmm. so if you you get uh, to where you've got the basic uh, stem through high school and that uh, stem election there that through high school and then come into the Air Force they'll um, send you off to tech training for up to another couple of years uh, that all now applies towards college credit as well um, and instead of having to, to pay to get a college education, you can get paid to get a college education. Just uh, slow down and listen to that for a moment. You can get paid to get a college education in the Air Force. Uh, and then after you get through that program, uh, they're going to give you a job. So you'll get out of having them pay for you to go to school and they will pay you in a job afterwards. So you get guaranteed work placement and uh, you'll be doing uh, some cutting edge, uh, pretty cool cybersecurity work there. Uh, or you can uh, in, enlist it or you can elect to go straight into the reserves um, and go work in the private sector. So their Air Force is willing to put you through a, a couple of years of education and then uh, you go immediately to reserves. You don't even have to go to an active duty role. So uh, I mean, these kind of programs combined with uh, programs from Systemic and the Geek Bus and other things that are helping uh, kids realize uh, that they actually can afford an education. They can uh, make a leap uh, in their family for what's kind of been the, the past and the history where colleges seemed like something that was completely out of reach, um, that you, as soon as you graduated from high school or some sadly even before they graduate from high school, their families ask them to go get a paycheck to help out. Here you can enlist right away at, at 18 and you can get a paycheck and go to school and help your family out all in one. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Brett. You know, a lot of the students, you know, I grew up off of uh, MLK and WW White, which is not a very uh, fancy part of town. I don't think it's changed in the last, gosh, 40 years. Uh, so a lot of those students I can identify and relate with. And when you're from a particular part of town, you only know certain things. Uh, and I don't mean to be stereotypical, but there are students in uh, parts of town that maybe they, you know, mom works at a restaurant, dad works, works construction, and that's all they know. But by being exposed to these careers, we show them these opportunities that are available. So again, is we just want the students to be aware of what's out there, what they can do, and what type of schooling may be needed, uh, depending on, on how far they want to go. A lot of times, you know, uh, as I mentioned, the students are there getting hands-on uh, basic knowledge skills into the career field, and we really want them to make that choice to, to say, yes, this is something I want to pursue. But on the flip side, it's also good that at the end of the, our session that the student says, you know what? Uh, 3D modeling and programming, you know, becoming a prototype engineer is not what I thought it was going to be, and I don't want to do this. So even if they say no, we think that's a good thing, uh, because I know plenty of people that, that have gone to school for four years, they choose a career, and after a year, they have that same reaction as a student. This is not what I thought it was, 
and they just wasted five years of, of their life. So if a student can come to a no decision in a couple of hours, that's also a good thing. Yeah. So uh, you're listening to 1200 WAI, and this is Cyber Talk Radio. I'm joined this week uh, by the executive director of Systemic, uh, Powers the Geek Bus, and is helping uh, expose uh, students uh, K through 12 to STEM education opportunities and uh, help them uh, make that realization of, yes, this is something that excites me, or uh, no, you know what, uh, I'm going to go into health or uh, another area rather than uh, computer programming. So if uh, our listeners wanted to learn more about Systemic, Jake, where can they go online to find out about it? Uh, yes, they can go to www.systemic, that's S-A-S-T-E-M-I-C, so S-A-S-T-E-M-I-C.org. Uh, they can get additional information. Uh, they, there are links for them to put in a request to reserve uh, the Geek Bus to come out to their function, to their school, um, to their church, whatever it may be. Uh, please note that we do require uh, two to three dates, reason being we are pretty booked and we just want to make sure that you are able to get one of your uh, dates that you have requested. Uh, and if you need additional information, there's also a, a link for you to uh, send an email and one of our affiliates or our, our STEM coordinator will get back to you within about 48 hours uh, to answer any questions that you have. Uh, and then we can also license our program um, out to people. So if you have... Uh, any interest in licensing our program, our curricula, again, you can fill out a, a request at our info link, and we'll be sure to get back to you with that. Yeah, so if you were um, in another city listening to this, because uh, we're on 1200 WAI with a, a big broadcast range, um, and then also online on iHeartRadio, so someone could be listening through iHeart um, anywhere in the world. And uh, so if you're interested in um, a high-energy, high-potential STEM education program that can Help those kids uh, get that spark of excitement they need uh, in your area. Uh, reach out to the team at Systemic about that curriculum and the program uh, that you could look at rolling out into your area. Uh, if folks wanted to get involved, is there, are there volunteer opportunities, donation opportunities? What, what ways can uh, our listeners out here help you if they are excited about what we've been talking uh, yes, uh, being a, a nonprofit, we do uh, take donations. Uh, there is a donate link on our homepage where they can make donations for us. As far as uh, volunteers, uh, we're not at that level yet. Uh, reason being, uh, we have our facilitators conducting most of the sessions. Uh, what we don't want is uh, an expert in the field uh, to come out, have to stand around for two hours and give us 10 minutes of their time. At the same time, we don't want them to drive across town uh, it could be depending on traffic up to about 45 minutes and again uh, we would need them for 10 minutes so we're just not there at that time for volunteers uh at least not right now uh, but in the future we do plan to um, have volunteers so continue to check with us on our website as we update it and on our website uh, as well you'll see uh, that we continually keep our, our metrics up to date we update it monthly and just to give you a background of the impact that we provide around the city um, in 2016 we were able to serve 15,000 students in the community uh, with the GeekWest program alone. Now, if you incorporate all of our other services that we provide, including summer camps, uh, professional development, et cetera, we were closer to about 25 uh, students and community members that we served last year. Now, currently, as of 
June 12th, I believe, we have been able to serve over 13,000 students on the Geek Bus program alone. So things are on the upswing. We had a little bit of a down year last year or a stagnant year, I guess I should say. Uh, but we are on the upswing. We're six months into the into 2017. We've are almost matched what we did in 2016. So things are going good. The word is getting out. Students are getting excited. Administrators are are really pumped about having us out there and getting their students engaged into uh, STEM field and STEM endorsements. Um, one of the uh, uh, local school districts uh, they had hired a, a robotics teacher, and their goal when hiring her was for her to teach robotics all day long. Unfortunately. At that middle school, not enough students were interested in robotics. Either they were scared of it or did not know enough of the programming side and they didn't want to touch it. So she was teaching ro one class of robotics a day and five science classes. Um, that's not what they hired her for. So they brought us out. We went out to that campus about six or seven times during the spring semester, only worked with sixth and seventh graders so that when they went into the eighth grade, they could choose the robotics course and get them interested in it. Now, I can't attribute it to it being us 100%. But I know we did contribute to it uh, in a large way uh, because after speaking with uh, that school district and the council on campus, they were going to open up uh, a minimum of two sections uh, for robotics in the eighth grade next year and uh, possibly a total of four. So that would be uh, three new sections of robotics just because of the students getting experience, getting exposed to robotics uh, on the programming side of it, programming those robots to do specific tasks and getting them to experience uh, because they don't know what they don't know. And just by getting, giving them that exposure, they now know uh, they feel confident, comfortable in going into a class and being successful. I mean, this is uh, one of the kind of just great things, I think, of getting folks that exposure uh, and because it opens up uh, to a whole new set of possibilities that they didn't realize were there. Uh, this is uh, a, another story that popped up in the, the news a while ago here, the first half of this year. Uh, about uh, some kids in rural Mississippi now that are winning U.S. national chess championships. And uh, you can look online to get some more details of that, but uh, they're beating all the kids from private schools in New York City and, and everywhere else. And everyone's like, well, how did you go do that? And so the the uh, chess coach that went down there is like, look, kids are kids everywhere. And as soon as you show them what's possible, you'll be amazed at the things that they can achieve. So uh, first, we've got to have these programs out there to show the, the kids what's possible. Uh, we're heading into the uh, bottom of the hour break uh, for news, traffic, and weather. Uh, when we get back after the break, uh, Jake and I will uh, dive into talking about uh, what happens out there at that day when the Geek Bus comes to visit uh, your child's school or if you're an administrator or a, a faculty member. Uh, what uh, will happen for the kids on your campus. Uh, so if you wanted to listen to the replay of this, if you just tuned in now uh, and did not uh, get to hear the whole first half of the program segment, we will be online on Tuesday, uh, the day before the 4th of July. Uh, you'll be able to see the rebroadcast and uh, replay on www.cybertalkradio.com as well as uh, iTunes podcasts, Pocket Casts, or our, our YouTube channel. Um, if you can also go back and see the uh, replay or listen to uh, any of our past episodes as well, uh, including uh, things about Cyber Patriot, which is another uh, program uh, for starting now in middle school in some areas. And if your school does not have a Cyber Patriot program, I uh, highly encourage uh, you as a parent uh, to advocate to your school administration to get one going to see if they can find a teacher to be the sponsor on campus. Uh, or if you're a, a teacher or an administrator at a school or in a district, uh, would 
uh, reach out to the folks at Cyber Patriot, and uh, they will help you get that up and going. Um, and this will help your students uh, learn that teamwork aspect. It uh, turns uh, this computer and STEM work into a team sport. Uh, so uh, a great program in its own way and another one to uh, continue to advance uh, the participation in STEM education so that as uh, businesses out here in the, the private sector or um, our military here in San Antonio, um, have all of the folks uh, coming in that, that we need to be able to fill the jobs and uh, grow uh, our economy and to uh, keep our country safe. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Jake Lopez of Systemic, uh, the organization behind the Geek Bus here in San Antonio, uh, helping kids in uh, K through 12 get exposed to uh, STEM and learn uh, about the career options and opportunities that are out there uh, if they choose to pursue that educational path. If you uh, missed the first half of the program, uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast and replay. Uh, it'll be up on iTunes podcasts, on Pocket Cast for your Android phone, or on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, the day before the 4th of July, so as you're uh, out running around uh, getting your supplies for your barbecue and everything else, uh, you can uh, pop on your phone and uh, listen to a podcast and listen to this uh, in full. Uh, you can also listen to all of our past episodes uh, where we've uh, talked to some of the Cyber Patriot uh, program folks uh, as well as some of the different teams and uh, kids from here from San Antonio that got to go back uh, to Washington, D.C. area to compete in the national finals uh, for that, that Cyber Patriot. So lots of great things about STEM education uh, for uh, administrators, uh, parents, uh, and kids. Uh, we try to keep this stuff in a, in a clear uh, and concise way so that uh, it's open to uh, everyone to go through and listen to. Uh, before the break, we had mentioned that uh, this side of the program, uh, we're going to go through a day in the life of uh, 
what does it look like uh, for the team at Systemic to deliver their educational programs out to a campus, and uh, how does that all work, Jake? Uh, yeah, Brett. So um, we don't come in and tell the school or the administration, hey, here's how we're going to work. We work with the school administrators and teachers uh, around their schedule. What's going to work best for them and their students? You know, we're not here to uh, bully our way in. Uh, we are there for the, to meet the needs of their campus and of their students. So each of our session takes about two and a half hours to complete. Uh, as I mentioned previously, uh, we want the students to have a well-versed knowledge on the basics of what it would take for them to enter into one of these career fields. Uh, so within those uh, two hours, as I mentioned, students will be working in small groups or collaboratively on hands-on projects. And those projects can uh, entail any, anything from robotics, uh, hardware engineering, and hardware engineering they uh, use an Arduino sandbox and learn the basics of, of building the computer. Uh, Video game design, again, programming and coding uh, a video game. Uh, 3D printing and 3D modeling. Renewable energy, uh, the students get together, they build a wind turbine, and they build it to generate enough electricity to turn, it up, turn on a small light bulb. And then, of course, uh, coding and programming, the basics of that. So those are the topics that we uh, allow the campus to choose uh, based on the interests of their students. Uh, so in those two and a half hours, the students are learning uh, that information. We're also going over the... Uh, career tract, careers that they can choose, uh, what the rate of pay is for a first year um, person in that field of industry, and then if at a 10 years experience what they could expect to make. And a lot of times students are shocked at how much they could be making, and the, the funny thing is the expression of the teachers in the class saying, wow, I definitely chose the wrong field. And I know that firsthand because I was in the classroom myself. Um, so yeah. uh, that takes about two and a half hours. Uh, about an hour into the into the uh, program, we will take half of those students. Uh, again, we have enough equipment and materials uh, for 30 students at one time at most. Uh, so about an hour into it, we'll take anywhere from 12 to 15 of those students out onto the Geek Bus, give them a tour, as I mentioned. Uh, they'll see a 3D printer working, they'll see a live uh, mobile makerspace, uh, and they'll see true 3D printed um, products. Uh, and they can ask additional questions about, uh, about the career. We'll take those students back into the class. That tour takes about 20, maybe 25 minutes, and we'll take the other half uh, out onto the bus. Uh, so by the time it's all said and done uh, with the bus tour, they have about an hour left, remain of class. They go back with their small group or pair, and they continue uh, wrapping up their end, uh, their end product. So that's really what a session looks like. Uh, that takes about two and a half hours. So we can do two of these sessions a day. Typically, what schools want, they would like a morning session and a PM session. So at the end of an entire day, we can get a total of 60 students in one day. There are other uh, campuses or districts that they uh, prefer to choose a sub pop. And by that, I mean a targeted uh, select group of students. And just for an example, uh, there some schools or campuses may choose their GT, which stands for Gifted and Talented. Uh, they'll choose those students. They tend to have maybe about 25 to 30 of those students in a campus. And those students, uh, they if, so, if the school uh, so chooses, those students can stay with us all day long. So they would, in, in essence, get two sessions. Uh, for an example, we'd have 30 students, those 30 students in the morning, they would get robotics. They'd go to lunch, come back to us in the afternoon, and they'd get a second session of 3D printing. Uh, so we, we are flexible um, in working with the schools and their administration to, again, make sure that we meet the needs of the student. Uh, so when I meet with administrators, uh, all I am there is as a reference and a guide to help them choose the right topics 
the right programs and help them schedule it so it doesn't interfere with the other students rotations in classes and again so we're just here to try to meet their needs for the needs of their students yeah, and so going uh, through, you you'd mentioned some of the jobs and careers that open up uh, to these kids and, and with a STEM-based degree, uh, and this can be in the computer programming. Um, it, it can require a four-year degree, but many of them do not require a four-year degree. As you uh, look at a computer programming job, and I'll, I'll break this down as a, a technologist myself here for, to try to help people understand. So there's kind of a few different types of jobs for computer programming. One is that you kind of hear about, and this is like where you've got to go get a computer science degree, you have to be able to do advanced calculus, you uh, have to understand uh, advanced algorithms, you need to be able to design new algorithms, you uh, need to understand complex data structures and matrices and hash tables and all these sorts of things. That's a very small percentage of the computer programming jobs. Um, and those ones are extremely high paying. You're probably working at a technology company uh, such as Microsoft or Google or uh, many of our, our tech companies here even in the San Antonio area. Uh, but those programmers uh, are kind of maybe one in 10 or one in maybe even one in 50. Most of the, the computer programming jobs out there uh, involve in taking a business process and turning that business process into something that's improved by technology. So in this case, you're uh, it's almost like you're speaking another language. So if you can speak Spanish and you can speak English, you've learned a second language. Um, or if you're a primary English speaker and you took a foreign language in school, you could have taken computer programming. And because at that point, you're just talking to the computer in a language that it understands. And the computers, uh, despite maybe what you see with some of these things, uh, they're not as smart as people yet. Uh, they're very good at understanding specific instructions and doing them quickly. So uh, when you talk to the computer in Python, and Python's just a, a language like English or Spanish or anything else, and you have to communicate to it with perfect grammar. If you make a grammar mistake, it can't understand uh, an idiom. It can't understand a slang. It can't understand any of that. It only understands perfect grammar Python. And if you can go through to learn your grammar in English, your grammar in Spanish, you can learn your grammar in Python and you can learn to talk to computers because that's a language that they speak. Um, the, the interesting thing with computer programming, uh, just like cultures all across the world, there's uh, tons of languages to speak to people. Um, there's also tons of languages to speak to computers. And in that case, uh, you, you get to where um, Certain languages might be harder for you to learn than others, um, and just and depends on who you are and how how your uh, learning style works. Um, and this is one of the things with computer programming. Um, if Python is confusing to you for some uh, reason, yeah, there's um, Java, there's C, there's um, even like a going down if you're working with that Arduino and you're working with embedded systems. Uh, you may even do some assembly language programming these days and. Um, different types of programming languages require different thinking and thought skills, and, and it's really uh, one that is open for everybody. And, and when you look at the salaries out there for computer programmers, most of what you see is dominated by the, the folks that really just learn that computer language, learn to talk to the computers, and learn to help make uh, processes inside of businesses better by adding technology to them. Right. I'm glad you brought that up about the languages, Brett. You know, uh a lot of times uh, students don't realize it or put in that factor. And as a, at the top of the show, I mentioned that I was a former football coach out in Odessa. And that's the same thing. 
each coach, every program that you go to, you run the same routes, but they call it, or they run the same plays. It could be a, called a pitch, a toss, but it's the same thing. It's just the language. So I'm glad you brought that up. And when we explain that to students, especially at the elementary uh, level, uh, they're not familiar with Python, Java, C+, etc. But when you put it sometimes in a sports analogy, they're able to grasp that, and they're more interested. The other thing that we've noticed is that, uh, and this is just research that I've done probably seven or eight years ago, uh, females are not as interested in these types of fields or career fields or pursuing these types of degrees. A lot of times they may have the best intentions and they enter it, but by the end of their freshman or sophomore year in college, they've changed their major. And we can't really pinpoint why. It tends to be just a male-dominated industry. So our focus has been to con to keep a 50-50 ratio of males and females. Right now we're at a 51-49, so we think that's pretty good. It fluctuates uh, just a, a few percentage points off of that. And, um, you know, again, going back to the research I conducted, a lot of times uh, this starts in elementary around third grade. Uh, one of the factors that I was able to determine was that a lot of these, in uh, a lot of these elementary school teachers are uh, tend to have their focus or their emphasis in English language arts, not in the math and sciences where you get those teachers that have the uh, sh those strong backgrounds uh, in middle school and high school. And a lot of times, uh, I, I hate to say this, and again, I don't want to be stereotypical, but uh, a female teacher that is not good in math will tell another female student, don't worry about it, sweetheart. I got to where I am without being good in math and science. And we don't want that to be the case. We want more females to be uh, engaged and interested in these STEM fields. And I've even seen it where Lego is now making uh, pink parts to get females interested. Uh, I don't know that you necessarily need that. I, uh, With my daughter, for example, I just drive it to her. Whatever field you're going to be going into, you're going to need math. And whether you're good at it or not, you need you need to know it. You need to be well-versed, uh, uh, you know, as as Brett mentioned, you don't need to go all the way through calculus three, but you need to have your your basic math foundation skills because it'll be applicable regardless of what career you, you choose. Yeah, and uh, I think this is is one with the the gender uh, differences that we uh, see are built based on stereotypes and based on um, kids seeing different role models and the role models that they see on the female side right now are very underrepresented in the STEM fields. That um, in as we have to work extra hard to kind of change some of those perceptions and stereotypes so uh, that kids don't give up, that they uh, will continue on and they'll see, they'll see what's possible or what they could believe to be possible because they've got an example out there of it. Um, and this is a one in the analogies world is going back and um, it's famous now and it's easy for everybody to understand but um the four minute mile and uh before roger bannister ran a four minute mile everyone said it's impossible for a human being to run a mile in four minutes um and now we we've got some uh runners training to run a marathon in almost four minutes a mile uh that nike's working on now as soon as roger bannister ran that first mile in under four minutes people all of a sudden were all breaking the four minute mile and many more people were going to do it because they had that example and that role model to see. So uh, I think it's easy to go just dismiss it and underestimate the importance of that role model or in your cases, really with what you guys are doing with the program to have the classes balanced in a way that are 50 50 so that uh, they can see their friends succeeding. They can see their friends in each group that it's not just, um, two girls in a corner in a class of 30 um, feeling isolated and left out and they're in there maybe because their parents pushed them in but they just fill out a place the whole time um, and until we 
continue to see more programs uh, like yours or like uh, what another uh, organization here in town, Girls Inc., does, which I, I think is some amazing uh, work with their STEM camps over the summer. Uh, my daughter went to a couple of them uh, many years back, and uh, she's uh, still excited about uh, science and uh, now probably headed more towards medicine, but still in the STEM side of things and uh, taking the advanced math and the things that she'll she'll need for that. But uh, it's one where this is going to take years and years of, of us to evolve this because in the tech industry right now, I mean, as a Jake said that the kids drop out after their freshman or sophomore year of, of college um, from uh, computer science or um, other computer engineering, um, mechanical engineering programs. Um, and you'll see uh, out in the industry, a lot of folks will talk about their 25 or 30 percent uh, employment of females inside of a tech company. But what the tech companies don't want to go out and tell you is those are mostly not in hard tech roles. Those are in. Uh, the marketing department, they're in customer service, they're in all sorts in sales, they're in all sorts of other areas other than inside their research and development team. Uh, medicine, we're, we're seeing many more now, um, the females continuing on through to doctors or even into research science there. Uh, we're not seeing it in the computer engineering and the computer software development yet. And until we um, continue to have more role models out there that we can champion, we're going to persist this problem. That's exactly right. You know, kind of a as we talked about, make sure that you're good in math because uh, those numbers you mentioned, Brett, uh, you can make, you know, they always say numbers don't lie. But let me tell you, you can make them say whatever you want. Um, so uh, on that point also, as far as a male-female ratio, uh, just for the listeners out here in the San Antonio area, please uh, don't feel that we're just uh, limited to school districts within 1604. Uh, we're really all in Bear County, what, uh, wherever um, Region 20, uh, educational Education Service Center 20 uh, here in San Antonio serves. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work with uh, rural or outlying uh, school districts as well. Reason being, again, uh, they the, a lot of those students, uh, what I've heard from those uh, campus administrators is that they think they have to work on the ranch or they think they have to work out in the field, be a tractor repairman. And they bring us out to show the students that, hey, 30 minutes up the road, you can have one of these tech jobs. You can go to school here and you don't have to be stuck in in these towns uh, doing what your dad or your brother does. And so again, uh, we really like going out there and showing the students and they're really excited to see the opportunity that that can be because a lot of times these smaller rural districts don't have the funding available to hire a teacher uh, to teach these type of programs and they don't have the population of students uh, enough to quantify or justify the hiring of a teacher for one of these topics. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is CyberTalk Radio, and I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. We're joined this week by Jake Lopez, the executive director of Systemic, and talking uh, through with them about the Geek Bus, STEM education, and uh, the development of the workforce uh, here in San Antonio. And uh, if you wanted to license the uh, curriculum that they have, and you're listening uh, outside of the San Antonio or Bear County or Region 20, uh, area, uh, reach out to them on their website at sastemic.org. Uh, you can uh, also uh, donate there as an, an individual um, or uh, if you're a teacher or school administrator, uh, request to uh, have the Geek Bus come visit your campus and get involved in your district. Uh, so from a, a 
corporate uh, sponsor or foundations or there uh, any uh, big folks that are, are backing uh, your program and helping make all this possible? Yes, currently we have uh, uh, several sponsors. Uh, Rackspace sponsors us uh, annually. Tesoro uh, sponsors us as well. And uh, USA also sponsors us. And currently we are in talks uh, with uh, some of these sponsors uh, to get a brand new bus. You know, the bus that we currently have is from 1999 and it has a, a lot of miles in there. And this past year spent, uh, I mentioned the uh, 15,000 students that we served and uh, it was in the shop a lot in 2016. Uh, so we're in the process of getting a new bus and that new bus would be more of a trailer where the students can actually come and uh, work in the trailer. That would be the classroom, be a mobile classroom uh, where the students are learning there rather than us going into the campus. Uh, but that's uh, further on down the line and we're also hoping to to uh, expand our curricula offerings. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there were six titles that I, that I mentioned. Uh, we're hoping to expand that by about 12 or 15 uh, should we get that funding. And other companies that we are currently working with in hopes of sponsorship are Boeing, uh, Spurs Foundation, Caterpillar, CPS. Yeah, those are uh, all, uh, I mean, a, a number of uh, great employers uh, across this area uh, that all have uh, big needs for um, tech-educated folks. And USAA recently um, kind of came out and released some stats. Usually they're pretty quiet about many of these things, but they uh, said that, that they are uh, by far and away, I think, the, the number one tech employer in the San Antonio area. They have more folks doing uh, that actual hard technology development work um, than, than anyone else here in town. That's exactly right. I was at an economic development uh, meeting uh, not too long ago. And really, you know, USAA, we know them for insurance. But everything that happens behind the scenes is tech. Uh, HEB, we know them for groceries. But everything that happens behind the scenes is tech. So, again, as I mentioned to my daughter, regardless of what industry that you want to go into, everything is run on technology programming, coding, and that you need to know some kind of basis or foundational skills in that. I mean, I, I foresee this in the future being one of the core areas as an English, math, or science uh, course later on down the line. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly um, headed that direction and needs to. And e even if you, you go out into uh, things as people kind of think as traditional manufacturing, uh, if your school um, hasn't arranged yet, uh, talk with the folks at Toyota here. Uh, you've got a great chance to, to go look and see what does a modern manufacturing facility look like uh, if you see a, a toyota truck um, around in san antonio chances are uh, it was made here um, and made in america made in san antonio uh, with a toyota brand on it but uh, it's a uh, one where uh, that facility now cranks out um, tons and tons of of trucks but they're all uh, robotic powered over there and like says you wonder well if I learn robotics, where am I going to go work in San Antonio? And uh, Toyota is um, trying to hire more folks with uh, robotics uh, training skills and programming skills every day. Right, you know they are, and there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of educational institutions that are trying to part with corporate sponsorships uh, to have a, a pipeline or a, a track for those students to go into as they graduate. And uh, again, at the top of the show, I mentioned that I had implemented STEM programs in school districts all over the nation. And a lot of times in, the, in forming these partnerships in, the, in this pipeline, a lot of schools try to come up with a theme. Uh, so I've seen STEM with two M's for, in Florida for um, medical. I've seen it up in Ohio for manufacturing. I've seen the STEAM. We've all seen that with the A being for arts. Uh, but I've also seen it in Iowa for agricultural. And I just want to let everybody know that you don't need the extra letters. STEM is in everything you do. Uh, you know, I know... Uh, 
there are culinary institutes, there's math, science, technology, and engineering going on in those kitchens. You can go to a cosmetology department. There is math, science, technology, and engineering going on uh, in that hair studio. You know, there's a different level of math and science that may be going on, but it's STEM, and that's all you need. And if we could just keep it at STEM, uh, we wouldn't. We could keep it much simpler for administrators when they're trying to implement these types of programs, rather than trying to find a unique track. STEM will be in in everything and anything. You've been listening to CyberTalk Radio on 1200 WAI. Uh, this week, we dove into STEM education, the importance of it for the next generation of careers across every industry and every field is all going to have a component of STEM and getting uh, this out there in front of kids in uh, Title I schools. And if you missed what a Title I school is, Jake uh, talked about that in the first half of the program. Uh, you'll be able to listen to the rebroadcast of this episode and all of our past episodes uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, as well on your iPhone uh, through iTunes podcasts or on an Android device via Pocket Cast. Uh, this episode will be up on July 3rd, so if you're out running around setting up um, getting supplies for that barbecue the next day uh, to celebrate the 4th of July, you can uh, listen to this and learn more uh, about the program uh, with the Geek Bus uh, from Systemic here in San Antonio. Uh, Jake, for uh, folks, one last time, if they wanted to learn more about Systemic uh, and uh, connect and talk to you guys online, where do they go and uh, who are you looking for? Uh, yes, they can go to www.sastemic, S-A-S-T-E-M-I-C, so that's S-A-S-T-E-M-I-C.org. Uh, they can uh, go to the contact link and they can fill out a form for us to go out there and uh, be at their event uh, or create sessions for their students. Uh, in addition, they could also, if they would need additional information, whether it be a licensing package, uh, we've also worked with the state of Utah on that. We're currently working with the in negotiations with the University of North Carolina a t in Greensboro uh, for them to license uh, our curricula as well. Uh, if that's something that you're interested in, uh, you can uh, fill out the uh, information request, and we will be sure to get back to you and, and give you more information and, and details about that. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you for the, the work you and your team are out there doing in the community to uh, get the next generation of uh, kids excited about uh, cybersecurity and uh, the tech jobs that uh, we're going to need to power our economy and uh, protect our country. And thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me.